answer period of our SACPA presentation. Next week, we are going to have a speaker, um, Bramwell Strain. She's the Lethbridge City Manager, and her topic is the... His? His, sorry, I, I do apologize. His name is Bramwell Strain. He's the Lethbridge City Manager. His topic will be the first 100 days as city manager, expectations, observations, and surprises. What are the key issues going forward? So that's next week. Please come. I know they would appreciate a large turnout. So we will call David back to the podium. Question and answer time now. If you have a written question, please bring it to me, and I will see that it gets answered. Keep your top or keep your preamble short and your question um, on topic. Thank you. Come on up, David. Hello, David. My name is Lauren. Thank you for coming today. Um, so this is a question on the topic of the um, like rail cars for moving oil out of Alberta with the current crisis. And I'm hoping you can just shed some light for me on the situation because I've been seeing in the press Notley and Trudeau you know, sort of arguing about who should do what. And it seemed to have an underlying um, air like that. There was some regulatory control government has over how many rail cars use, which I was not aware of. Is there any regulatory hole up or is it just a matter of free market finding cars. Can you please shed some light on who has well, authority a, or not? Yeah. That, that's a great question and, and my team and I are, are, are looking at the, these uh, issues too. It's, it's top of mind, it's relatively new. So uh, I, I, as you said, I heard, I've heard something recently that there's some kind of regula regulatory issue. I wasn't aware that there was any uh, regulatory issue around uh, 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 Rail uh, tanker rail cars, but there uh, uh, there may be something that the federal government could do in terms of, of changing the regulation. But my understanding is more that uh, Premier Notley has gone to Ottawa to pressure the federal government into actually contributing financially to her plan to, to purchase rail cars. Uh, what I what I'm concerned about, and I, I talked to the media uh, about both Kenny and uh, and Notley's plan, Premier Notley's plan is with her plan. It, uh, th there's already a backlog, as I understand it, of rail cars for other uh, uh, purchasers, uh, uh, a three or four month backlog. So ambitiously, she's planning on the first rail ca cars coming online <coughs> end of 2019. It's probably going to be into 2020. So, and th their own estimates are that it might make a $4 difference in the differential, which can go up and down uh, very quickly, uh, just with regular oil markets. As an aside, OPEC is meeting this week. Uh, Russia has apparently signaled that they're going to support some uh, production decreases to to uh, bolster the price. So, <clears throat> investing uh, three billion dollars plus in new rail cars for a, uh, to implement a plan that won't make any difference until well into late last year, or even tw next year, or even 2020. I'm not sure that is the best use of public dollars, and really will make much of a difference. So I, I'm concerned that it's, uh, uh, that it's, uh, could be more akin to grandstanding to standing up to Ottawa, which we 
we all uh, uh, often like to do in this province, and there's often need to, but in this case, I'm not sure that, uh, that spending that kind of money, either provincially or federally, will really address the problem, and it, it certainly wouldn't, won't anytime soon. Hi, Brooke Cully. Uh, David, thanks for your presentation today, and I wanted to thank you for spending time last summer here for Pride, and especially spending time in Tabor Saturday afternoon, in, which is a liberal rich vote place, I'm sure, but I appreciate you uh, being there for those events. My question is about public education. You got to it at the end. I was glad you got to it. But my question is about what, where's the Liberal Party's position on choice in education? And how do you feel about funding independently and private institutions in public education? That's a, that's a great question. There, there's a, a tension between uh, the money we spend for uh, in different uh, school systems and the, the value for money we get and, and making sure, just as I said with healthcare, that as much of the dollar, our public dollars reach the front lines, teachers, educational aides, classroom sizes, and the uh, and systems are the most efficient possible, but we will be running on, and I will be supporting choice in education. So, uh, so families that that want to choose the separate Catholic system, the public system, uh, charter schools. There's a number of religious uh, schools that, that specialize that have a component of religious education, be it. Christian or, or Muslim or Jewish, I think it's really important to have choice. It fits with our liberal, key liberal value of uh, uh, freedom of the individual, so to be allowed to make an individual choice for uh, uh, where you want to uh, have your, in what system you want your child educated. But we, wanna, but we also need to have strong provincial oversight. Uh, GSAs are the most obvious issue, uh, making um, making the news right now, but it's not just GSAs, it's seclusion rooms, it's the curriculum. So we wanna make sure that the, that the, the Alberta curriculum is being taught, that, uh, that schools, all schools are a safe and inclusive p place for our children, but, uh, but I think we need to, to allow for that choice and to allow for that diversity. Uh, for example, in Calgary, we've got a lot of charter schools that uh, I think there's only a one or two in Edmonton, there's a quite a handful in Calgary because these charter schools really fill a niche and provide a specific education, be it uh, specific to science base for those kids that are, have a real aptitude in science or, or an arts-based curriculum. So the, the, those, those kind of schools are really important for providing that choice to parents that have children that have special needs or, or have special aptitudes and need special programs that the public or uh, separate school systems might uh, have trouble providing. And, and, and a success story, for example, with the Catholic system in Calgary is the, the and something that's close to my heart, is the, the, the really uh, uh, amazing way they're uh, graduating Indigenous and First Nations pupils w at a higher graduation rate than even the general population, which is, uh, which is a huge win and, and, a, and an amazing thing they're doing. So, you know, that's, that's something we can really celebrate. Please state your name. Uh, <clears throat> Dave Major, um, thanks for coming down and giving me the talk. Um, I got the impression from what you said that uh, you can magically uh, fix all the financial problems by cutting out bureaucracy, which, oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> you, you led me to believe that you can fix most of the financial problems by cutting costs. What a, 
I don't think you mentioned the revenue side, but I appreciate you talking about that and the uh, uh, sales tax. <laughs> <laughs> the, the elephant in the room. Uh, th thank, that, that's a great question. The, there is a huge opportunity to make a lot of savings in, in uh, examining how we spend money, especially as I've uh, stressed in the healthcare system. There is a lot, I know there's a lot of savings to be made there. There's a lot of layers of bureaucracy. There's a lot of mismanagement in, of money. As I said, just in the, the EMS system, there's that huge waste that was being perpetuated year after year with, with a, uh, a mismanaged system. So there's a lot of savings we can make there. Uh, there's, you know, it's, as Trevor Toome pointed out in his uh, report a week or two ago, it's, there's a, a spending problem and a revenue problem. Um, we'll be developing a, a fiscal plan to put forward in our, in our uh, election platform, likely for the spring, a spring election. But we, yeah, we do have to examine the, the revenue side too. Uh, you know, the, the, the challenge is, is that Albertans uh, are, m uh, m many or uh, most Albertans still want to have that Alberta advantage of, of having no sales tax. And as politicians, we also have to uh, not just lead, but also listen to uh, to Albertans, to our constituents. So uh, we, we have to examine the the uh, the revenue side, but uh, I'm not sure a, a sales tax is what Albertans want. Although they, we all really want good public services, so that's the that's the challenge in the balance. Hi, my name is Michelle Walker. Hi. Just uh, when we're talking about spending with education or with the health system, and you're talking about where money needs to be spent. And my brother's just a caretaker in one of the schools and since, uh, oh, probably for the last 10 years, they've just added portable after portable after portable to his classrooms and he has had no extra help, right? And so people are getting their garbage picked up twice a week instead of every day. Or, and this is happening in the hospitals as well. New buildings are, are coming on, but there's no money for maintenance. And I just, I want you to make sure that they're included as well because sometimes it's a push down on, on people who can't really speak up for themselves. And the other thing is the province, the, our city especially, it seems like is having the opiate problem and the money that's being spent. And I wondered if you could address how your government feels about that. About the op opiate uh, crisis here in Lethbridge specifically. Yeah, so uh, to, to your first question, thank you very much. The, when we say frontline services and workers and, and uh, for, for, for purposes of brevity and education, I always mention teachers and teachers' aides. Uh, in the healthcare system, we might mention nurses and doctors, but we know there's a whole host of other, uh, of other people that make the healthcare and education system work. The administrators, uh, 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 as you said, people that work at janitorial services and in maintenance, and, 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 and maintenance especially is really important to keep our infrastructure uh, well-maintained. Similar to the in infrastructure deficit that was created in the Klein years, they, they allowed a, a lot of our infrastructure to atrophy and to fall, out of, uh, fall into disrepair. That creates, again, as I, as I stressed over and over in my speech, that creates longer-term problems mm -hmm. for short-term gain uh, of, of uh, 
of uh, perceived savings by cutting maintenance workers or not doing uh, scheduled repairs. So we have to be concerned with ensuring that infrastructure is kept up and that the people are, are, are uh, the people that do that work and, and maintain our infrastructure are, are properly supported. That's part of the front, making sure the uh, revenue is, is, uh, gets to the front lines primarily. The opioid crisis is, as I said, uh, a massive crisis and a challenge for our society across Canada, but it's worse in the West, it's the worst in BC, it's really the second worst here in Alberta, it seems to be moving east. And I know it's especially a real uh, crisis here in Lethbridge, especially with a lot of First Nations around the area with the, the institutional generational poverty that, that we've, uh, as a society, have, have um, created for them. And I <clears throat> also know there's a lot of concern in, in the local neighborhood around Arches, for example, with some issues with, uh, with uh, used needles being found in, in the area and more uh, traffic around arches that might be affecting residents in the area. So that's why I want to see, it's, it's got to be a multi-pronged approach. There has to be harm reduction and, and proper funding for, uh, for, uh, for, for institutions like arches, for safe injection sites as they're called, or safe injection, or safe consumption sites. There also has to be good policing and community supports. There has to be a huge increase in rehabilita rehabilitation programs. Uh, the, Dr. Swan and I toured Arches uh, in the summer, and one thing that really struck me is, you know, obviously most uh, addicts at one time or another want to want to get off, uh, deal with their addiction, and 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 be really rehabilitated. The director told me that the only program for that is in Fort McLeod. And patients are required to call in every day to, to reiterate their, their desire to enter that program. And then they have to be available on 24 hours notice when a, a spot becomes available and get themselves down to Fort McLeod. That's a, a completely broken system that I don't think any of us, even in this room, could be uh, making sure we call in every day and be somewhere within 24 hours notice that's out of town. So that's an example of one of the pillars that's really failing. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy that the, the federal government has massively increased supports for safe injection sites and for other services across Canada. Uh, on the InSight model in Vancouver, that's really saved a lot of lives. But there's, uh, there's the other pillars that we have to, to uh, address too, and especially mental health supports, trying to, uh, uh, to, to help people so they avoid uh, Get, getting into the downward cycle of using drugs in the first place because it's often, people are often self-medicating because they haven't had proper treatment for their mental, underlying mental health issues. My name's Doug Neal, and <clears throat> I'd like to talk about the marvelous uh, carbon tax that we have. Um, to me, it looks like uh, nothing more than a, a glorified sales tax. Um, I don't see people driving less or turning out any more lights or uh, doing anything like this. And <clears throat> I'd like to know how the uh, liberal sa uh, carbon tax is going to be any different than what we have now. Yeah. I think this is one of the 
most important issues and the, and the toughest challenges that we as politicians and society have to address. One of the most challenging issues that we have to address in our society and for our future and our children and grandchildren is addressing global climate change. It's, I strongly believe, and most, and 99% of scientists believe that it's happening, it's man-made emissions are contributing to it, and we've got to reduce our carbon emissions. But we have to be cognizant of how that affects ordinary people, and we want to focus on ensuring that that the uh, that our, our programs and policies are actually focused on reducing those carbon emissions and not uh, in the most efficient way possible. This is the issue we had with the NDP's version of their carbon taxes. The money was being spent in general revenue or uh, for programs that were wasteful like crews coming into your house or for uh, uh, programs that weren't very efficient in actually reducing carbon emissions. We would, as I said, want to institute it as a reven revenue neutral tax. So the idea is that uh, personal and business taxes can come down to compensate so that people aren't out of pocket but are still encouraged to reduce their carbon emissions as we all need to do, we all need to chip in. But also mm -hmm. to focus on ensuring that that the money that's spent in climate change solutions is, is, is laser focused on actually reducing carbon emissions so that we're getting the best value for our, for our buck and making sure that that we are doing the most that we can with the resources we have. We've got to do something to address the issue and reduce carbon emissions, but the, uh, the system that the NDP's put in place, we believe is, is wasteful and not, uh, and not sufficiently focused on the goal. Hello, my name is Knut Peterson. Thanks very much for coming today, David. Your initial SACPA appearance Hopefully there'll be more. I hope so. Hey, uh, my question relates to how closely aligned are you with the federal level party? Because uh, 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 federal level levels don't do particularly well in Alberta, as you probably know. Uh, so you think uh, the name liberal hurts you being uh, a party in Alberta? Well, first of all, the Alberta Liberal Party is a completely separate entity from the federal Liberal Party. We have no uh, legal or, uh, or official connections. Of course, many of us are, are federal and provincial Liberals. I think the climate is changing for, for Liberals. There's uh, two steps forward, one step back sometimes, but we elected uh, uh, MPs, especially in Calgary, for, for the first time uh, in, in many decades. I, uh, there's younger people, the, the millennial cohort is gonna be the largest voting block in the next provincial and federal election. We have to encourage them to increase their voting rates and get out to vote, but younger people are not uh, wedded to particular parties or to brands in the way that older generations are. They are uh, focused on policies and leadership and, and, uh, and, and people that, that care about their issues. So we gotta focus on what Albertans want and what they need, and 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 I think, uh, at, as was demonstrated in the last provincial election, the NDP had zero to four seats for the last you know 30 years, and 
Uh, they elected a new leader. They had strong policy. They were ready for the last election. We weren't. They capitalized on that, and no one would have predicted the NDP would have ever formed majority government in Alberta. I would, I would uh, submit to you that the NDP brand is e even worse in Alberta than, than the Liberal brand, and yet people voted for them because they recognized they had good policies and a good, a good leader and, and, uh, and, and a vision for the future. So I want to be focused on that, on, on providing solutions for Albertans. I think uh, amongst older people that, that, that there is still that narrative of the, the National Energy Program and, um, and issues from the early 80s, but those are fading rapidly and I think uh, th things do fluctuate, but I think that the Liberal brand is strong across Canada. It's been uh, understood as a philosophy for hundreds of years. People trust us, they know what we stand for, uh, for better and for worse, hopefully for better, you know. Uh, but we uh, we got to focus on, on our, our morals and values and presenting the best uh, evidence-based policy solutions for Albertans. And I think if we are focused on that, then then that uh, uh, brand baggage, if, if you want to call it that, will be less and less relevant. My name's Bev Mundell-Atherstone. Thank you very much, Mr. Khan, for coming here and speaking to us about the liberal policies. Um, I listened very carefully and took copious notes from your talk and noticed that you spoke in generalities and didn't give us very many specifics, which I can understand you want to save to bring out during the provincial campaign. And time constraints. Sorry? And time constraints. And time constraints. <laughs> um, it, it seems uh, a bit disingenuous to um, blame the current NDP government for many of the things that are leftovers from 44 years of conservative power in Alberta, in particular the layering of bureaucracy within the Alberta Health Services. Uh, certainly a government that comes in during an economic downturn, uh, the worst that we've seen in 50 years, would could only do so much, and unraveling bureaucracy is um, is very difficult without laying off um, quite a bit of the workforce, because only a certain level is actually political, and our political uh, um, people. Okay, you want the question? So my question is, wouldn't it wouldn't it be more uh, beneficial? rather than beating up on the NDP government, rather to say what things they've done well and what things that you could see the Liberals would be able to work together with the NDP and build upon. Thank you. Thank you for your question, Bev. Cer certainly, 44 years of one-party rule uh, was uh, created an extremely dysfunctional uh, provincial uh, political scene. There was a lot of corruption and uh, money going into the PC party from uh, public money. I, I, I lost in the 2015 election. I was uh, of two minds because I was obviously uh, uh, sad that I, I wouldn't be contributing my voice to the Alberta legislature right away, but as a born and raised Calgarian, I was happy to see that 44 years of one party rule broken. So they did have a lot of challenges coming in to, to address. But at a certain point, several years into their mandate, they need to be making progress and making changes. Uh, I try to, to give credit where credit is due. I did that several times today 
in my remarks, and it's important to recognize that the, the strides that we've that we've made in uh, in uh, uh, farm workers' rights, uh, inclusivity in schools, like GSA issue, uh, but the there is a huge bureaucracy in AHS. It's not just political staff. It's it's many layers of management. It's merging those health boards into one large board, and instead of getting more efficient, it got more bloated. This is the, the almost half of our provincial budget, or the largest chunk of our provincial budget. We really needed to be more focused on the cost savings that we can get out of the healthcare system. They've hired more and more staff into, into, into HS and into the public service, rather than looking for those efficiencies. So I, I, I agree with, with where you're coming from, that they had a huge challenge, but uh, it's, a, it's the role of a new government to come in and, and, and address and fix problems, and we, a, a year or two, they can, they, they, they can have that, that chance, but after three and a half years, there's gotta be results that, uh, that are uh, being demonstrated. Also, uh, it's a role of a strong provincial opposition party to point out where things are going wrong and provide solutions. And I uh, touched on that with the EMS healthcare, the EMS crisis. There is 650,000 hours being wasted on the EMS uh, system, 135,000 double time overtime hours, completely wasted. We researched it, we worked with the Paramedics Association, we came up with solutions, we pushed the government, they've implemented some of them. That's a win-win. They can take credit for, for having addre partially addressed the problem. We're glad that we could make a difference. Similarly, with the toxic cleanup of the oil and gas liabilities in conjunction with the media, we've pushed them to finally agree to address that issue, to at least admit that there's an issue that needs to be addressed. That's the, that's the role of a strong opposition party. So it, it, uh, a lot of our values align, and I was so happy to see a change in government despite having lost personally, but we've got to work to to push them to do better, and that's that's really our fundamentally our role. Thanks. Hi, <coughs> sorry, uh, Carol Sakia. Um, I actually started as someone who didn't believe that we needed a sales tax, but I would ask you to view a video that Public Interest Alberta created, and they've shown here. And I must say, I got convinced in the, in the other direction. So um, I think it's, um, the world is about wants and needs. And nobody wants a new tax, but I think sometimes we need a leader to convince us that we can be educated and that we actually might need it, not just want it. So um, if you want to do long-term planning, not just long-term thinking, um, what do you think your role as a community leader on this topic might be? And I would suggest your starting point would be to view the video if you haven't already seen it. I, I've seen it and I know okay. the, the work that Public Interest Al Alberta is doing to, to educate Albertans on, uh, on the benefits of a sales tax. You know, almost a, economists across the board all conclude that a sales tax is the most efficient way to raise revenue, the broadest tax base, the least detrimental tax on, on the economy, the least drag created on the economy, the, the most money, as I said, generated with the, in the least harmful way in terms of an economic analysis. 
that's clear and almost every other jurisdiction has implemented a sales tax. And, and we as politicians have to lead, but we also have to listen. And if the majority of Albertans are still uh, against that sales tax, uh, a, a party or leader coming out uh, in, in favor of it uh, can, end, uh, can result in it not being implemented because no one votes for that party or leader. So it's a, it's a real tension. I'm concerned about our public finances as I extensively talked about. We cannot continue to run eight or $10 billion deficits every year. And, and polling is, is changing on, on that sales tax issue. Um, it, 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 more people are coming around, but there's gotta be, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cooperative thing. The public has to come around to it. They've gotta become comfortable with it. We also have to lead on it, and we have to have organizations like Public Interest Alberta talking about the benefits of it. Hi, my name is Henning Mundel. Uh, first, a preliminary quick question, and then the main question. Um, which riding did you uh, uh, run in? That's the quick question. I, I ran in Calgary Buffalo, which is the downtown constituency in Calgary. Kent Hare was the MLA, and then he's now become the MP for Calgary Centre federally. So I ran, I'm a good friend of his, I ran to, to replace him there. As I said, we as a party weren't ready for that election, so it was, it was, it was a really disappointing, I had a big energetic campaign. But, so uh, you're, you're starting to answer my real question, yeah. which is a tongue-in-cheek question. Yeah. You, so take it in the spirit it's intended. What has changed in your writing to, because you're standing here as leader of the Alberta Liberals, that you can in fact, that you are in fact electable? Thank you, great question. First of all, I'll be running in the constituency of uh, the Dr. David Swan represents Calgary Mountain View, which is right across the river from downtown Calgary, the other central uh, constituency in Calgary. I hope to earn the votes of, of uh, tens of thousands of of Mountain View residents that have voted for Dr. Swan and, and we work so closely together and I hope to continue his good work in the legislature. As, uh, as a, a regular candidate, a high profile candidate, but a regular candidate in the last election, I, I was focused on, on ju just on Calgary Buffalo and, and a little bit more generally in Calgary, Dr. Swan and I traveled around quite a, quite a bit during the election to different events. But I wanna learn from the mistakes that we, that we did make in the lead up to that last election. It was called a year early. We, we just weren't ready for it. We should have uh, been more prepared and realized that there was a strong chance that there was gonna be an early election. I wanna learn from those, from those uh, 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 mistakes or, uh, uh, or uh, challenges with planning. I wanna make sure we've got a full slate of candidates that our, that our uh, policies are robust and well-developed. Our campaign platform is, is ready and, and we're ready to go so at, as a leader, I hope to bring a new uh, vision and energy to the, to the party and uh, to politics in Alberta. I hope I've been doing that in the last year and a half. And so I hope that we're in a better place and better prepared in the next election. And uh, politics are so volatile in Alberta right now that uh, anything can happen as we saw in the, last, in, in the last election. So I wanna be prepared and ready to provide that alternative choice to Albertans who are uh, many in southern Alberta and in Calgary are disappointed with the, uh, what I would say was a, um, a, a, 
a, a bit of a, a tone deafness or a lack of recognition about how really serious the downturn has been, for example, in Calgary and the, and, and the, and the spending issues of the NDP, but are absolutely um, opposed to Mr. Kenny and his brand of social conservative, conservatism and populist, po populism and, and uh, what I would say is sort of a, uh, uh, not, a, not a real small c conservative party in a lot of ways. For example, the carbon tax is the most efficient way and most uh, conservative economists would, would support that. So I, I wanna be there to provide a real choice to Albertans. We saw in the last American election when you have two choices you can sometimes end up with a poor choice and an even worse choice, and people are so disappointed with the lack of choice that they just vote for the disruptor in chief because they want to send a message. I don't want to see us get to that point in Alberta politics where we're forced to choose between one and the other. I believe in diversity in the legislature. I believe in proportional representation in in having better rep the legislature better represent the diverse choices and values and 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 uh, vision of, of Albertans. And so I think it's really important to, to have uh, another strong choice. Thank you, David. Thank you very much.